It's the podcast series that helps you stay up to date with the latest tax developments. The Tax Factor from Blick Rothenberg with Nimesh Shah and Rob Goodley. Welcome to The Tax Factor, a new podcast series from Blick Rothenberg. Each week, members of our team will be looking at the news and updates in the world of tax and providing an analysis of what it might mean for you or your business. We'll take a look at some long-term issues and challenges as well. Joining me this week is Rob Goodley again, one of our corporate tax partners at Blick Rothenberg. So straight into things, Rob, and what have we seen in the world of SDLT? There's always some quirky cases in stamp duty land tax, and we've seen one recently this week about someone trying to claim mixed use and also multiple dwellings relief. Yeah, no, that's just a really interesting uh, stamp duty land tax case. So the, the taxpayer in question bought basically an old agricultural property. So it's about two and a half acres, had on it a six bed house, a double garage with an office above it, a two bed barn conversion, and then a paddock of around two acres. So the majority of the property was this paddock. The taxpayer essentially filed his SDLT return on the basis that the paddock and the office were non-residential spaces, so he could access the lower rates there. HMRC, sadly for the taxpayer, threw that out and said, well, the office is so closely linked with the house that that's clearly not commercial, that's that, that's residential. And the paddock was just effectively used by a nearby farmer for grazing sheep, but there was kind of no commercial substance to that arrangement. I think the taxpayer got a few cuts of meat out of the, the arrangement, but not much else. So the revenue effectively said, this is all residential and, and residential rates only will apply. What was particularly sad for the taxpayer is if he had been better advised, he actually could have accessed something called multiple dwellings relief. The barn that I mentioned was a separate property. So effectively, he could have filed his return on the basis that he was acquiring two things rather than one and could have got double access to the, the lower rates of SCLT. Sadly, he was out of time to make that claim by the time um, he realized he could do that. Great example of a case where there's a big bear trap there about trying to go for the lower rate of SDLT, this mixed use commercial rate, when actually MDR, multiple dwellings relief, could have been available, albeit the tribunal did say that the taxpayer hadn't put a pretty good case forward in, in any case for MDR, but as you say, completely out of time. So maybe he got a little bit too greedy. And I think the he ended up paying something like an extra 80,000 of SDLT on the original claim here. So quite an expensive exercise that this individual had to go through. And always best, as you say, Rob, to get some specialist advice on SDLT, especially when multiple dwellings relief is concerned. And I suppose me and you are maybe not the experts here, but our partner, Sean Randall, who writes the book on SDLT, literally will be rubbing his hands here about the opportunities he could find. Maybe moving on, uh, HMRC have been facing some hot water recently. Over the last week, some statistics were produced around the amount of tax debt that HMRC are sitting on that has been uncollected. Two and a half billion rise on the same amount this time last year. And important to remember as well, this is tax debt, not the tax gap. So two different things. This is tax that is rightly due that's not been collected yet. So Rob, why are HMRC coming under a bit of pressure here? I think there's sort of two things coming together here, Namesh, which are quite concerning. So firstly, like you say, that the debt is rising. And actually, the, I think the key statistic I saw was that new debt in the 21-22 tax year was 50% higher than the recent average. So there's a lot of new debt, the revenue having to deal with. At the same time, the revenue have got huge recruitment challenges. I mean, it's industry-wide, but you know, I think HMRC are feeling it particularly hard. They've taken the unprecedented move this year of actually shutting down call centers so that they can redeploy staff, which is having obviously huge knock-on effects for taxpayers. But this growing debt bomb, if you like, has to be dealt with. And one of the other things that came out of that is the time to pay arrangements. This is where the revenue have negotiated with a taxpayer, you know, time to actually repay their debt. Those arrangements have gone up threefold. And actually, they do take quite a lot of HMRC resource to negotiate and implement. And if, if HMRC is short of that resource, there's going to be many taxpayers out there who are really concerned, want to come to some kind of agreement with the revenue, but can't get the access they need. 
And again, quite topical at the moment with quite a high profile business failure. One of my favorite shops from university, Wilkinson's or Wilco's going into administration over the last few days and leaving quite a big tax debt with HMRC there as well. Uh, We may see more business failures uh, with uncertain economic conditions upon us. So HMRC are going to have a bigger problem here as we go forward. But uh, you touched on something, Rob, about unanswered phone calls as well from HMRC. And I can say firsthand experience, I tried to chase up a small tax repayment that I was due whilst I was off on holiday last week. Uh, That's what I tend to do on my holidays, ring up HMRC, but actually I couldn't get through. Had to use the online chat, which I have to say worked quite well. I am a learned tax advisor, so I suppose I could talk the language, but incredibly frustrating for individuals to try and get through to HMRC right now because the phone lines are shut. And I believe that that they're looking to potentially increase that time frame as well as they try and deal with the backlog of posts. There's an extension on that initiative as well. Going back to tax debt very quickly, Rob, there's also a flip side for the taxpayer because interest rates, it won't have escaped anyone, are going up and there's a knock-on effect to the amount of interest that HMRC can charge. Absolutely. So we've obviously had record low interest rates for best part of 15 years now, which meant that late interest payments for taxpayers have been, you know, you don't want to incur them, but they're not life changing by any means. But now we're in a world where, you know, late payment of tax can result in 8% interest. So actually, it's something that clients are really focused on because you, you don't want to be incurring that cost needlessly. On the flip side, and I don't think this is really talked about enough, that the repayment rate for the revenue now is just over 4%, so 4.25%. And that's a tax free return. So actually, if you think about that in gross terms, that's that's really quite attractive. And HMRC are coming under more public pressure and scrutiny again. And an article in The Times today suggesting that falling standards in HMRC are down to the fact that more and more HMRC workers are spending time at home and working remotely. So 95% of HMRC workers spend at least one day working outside of the office. That's an increase of over 60% since 2019. And obviously, we've seen a trend right throughout the office world, the professional world of people working more at home following the pandemic. Rob, what do you think about falling standards at HMRC? Is it really right that it's because people are working at home? Potentially, I think um, in in my time in this industry, I think actually, often tax advisors will come to the defense of HMRC when government were criticizing them, because they say, actually, they've got quite a small budget, and they do quite a good job for what they're doing. Actually, I think what we're seeing now the last three or four years is people like you and me saying this isn't good enough it's not working and actually it's holding the economy back service levels are so bad something has to be done and correlation doesn't necessarily mean causation but the reality is that working from home has coincided with customer experience going down so i I think it needs to be looked at really closely and maybe the maybe hmrc need to row back I agree with you. I think when I started out in practice, and I said this to Heather in episode one of The Tax Factor, that you could have a sensible technical discussion with a very competent advisor. I think standards maybe technically have fallen, but look, the legislation has got more complicated. There's more specialisms in our world of tax, and that includes HMRC as well. Again, I'll say it again. I think they did a fantastic job during the pandemic to pivot towards all those different support schemes. They have had a huge amount of funding since then. The government have thrown a lot of money at them to recover unpaid taxes, to deal with fraud in particular. The, the fraud around the COVID support schemes as well. I think now we're seeing a bit of a change of turn from the government uh, and the latest HMRC annual report suggesting that there would be budget cuts. So I think this is a sign of things to come, that they will be under pressure to cut costs and find efficiency savings. I don't know where that leaves the taxpayer really in terms of the quality of standards that they're having to face. And also for us as agents as well, getting through to the right people at HMRC. So uh, I'll be interested to see actually how they develop over, over the next few years. Always lots to talk about on the tax factor, but I thought it'd be worthwhile just having a quick few minutes on capital taxes and CGT again in the spotlight. I don't think of now, maybe a month goes by, Rob, that we don't see something said about CGT. What's been going on with CGT? 
announced this week that uh, CGT raised 16.7 billion in, in in the last tax year, for which we've got numbers, which okay, is only around two percent of tax take for the for the government overall, but actually it's up 60 percent since the 1920 tax year. So we've seen this huge rise in in capital gains tax receipts. It only seems to go up every year, and I think it's sort of um, increasing the debate around what what we do around capital taxes. I mean, capital gains tax rate at 20% has seen a lot of focus. People saying the rate needs to be higher. But actually, when you see figures like this, it makes you question whether actually we might raise less revenue if we if we increase the rate. It's the, you know, the famous Laffer curve that we refer to in the industry that you know raising rates cannot can see you uh, reduce your tax take. It'll be interesting to see where that goes, as well as hopefully a wider discussion on capital taxes more generally. Yeah, I think there is a big debate to be had on reform of capital taxes in particular. I know you talk, touched last, last time on inheritance tax, but how those two taxes might even be harmonized as well. I think that would be quite revolutionary, probably not one for now, and we could have a whole podcast on that. Something else that has been thrown in, it comes back and forth, this one, is wealth taxes as well. In in the mold of reforming capital taxes, this time the TUC have waded in and said that there should be a wealth tax. This is one that keeps getting dusted off and keep coming back. But what have the TUC been saying? Well, the TUC, interestingly, and I, it, it does make me roll my eyes, I'm afraid, have, um, have said that we should introduce a one-off wealth tax, which I think would be suicide for the country. If you're talking about trying to attract people here, you want to give them certainty as to what the tax regime is. You don't want them thinking, well, at a whim, some of my wealth could just be taken away from me. I think if 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 there is to be a debate about a wealth tax is to be something which is, you know, annual or or more regular and it's a fixture in the, the tax legislation, that's fair enough. My concern there is that other countries have have them and I haven't seen them actually raise any significant revenue. They're really difficult to implement. But I think it's it's a healthy debate to have. But this idea for me of a of a one off wealth tax is is really bad. Yeah. The TUC saying that 10 billion could be raised from uh, from a wealth tax but previous research and the wealth tax commission at the back end of 2020 saying that it would cost somewhere between 603 billion actually to implement this tax new taxes are really difficult to to bring in both legislatively and practically as well so the cost the upfront cost to the government is huge and the payback may not be uh, immediate and so the short termism of of governments with a five year term i think that's quite unpalatable there but I agree with you. I think that there's a big debate still to be had on just this whole capital taxes world and uh, what we might see there. Finishing off very quickly, signposting on capital gains tax as well. You said receipts are at record highs, 2% of total tax take, around 16 billion. This is only going to go one way, though, because we've had some changes on annual exemptions, haven't we? We have, actually. So, I mean, this is across the board on income and gains, is that the revenue are reducing allowances to try and squeeze out more tax revenue, obviously. But unfortunately, it's going to drag a load of people into the tax net that weren't there previously. So I think it's going to wrap people up in more admin, probably be a, a larger demand on HMRC resources, coming back to the point we previously discussed. So I think it's likely to be a false economy, but that's what we're faced with. And is, is going to come to us the next couple of years. Yeah, I think the annual exemption going down this year to 6,000, next year to 3,000. Lots, lots more people are going to have to file self-assessment tax returns with modest amounts of gains. Doesn't seem a particularly good use of HMRC time, especially when we were talking just before about uh, HMRC being so stretched as well and having to deal with extra burden. Rob, I want to say thanks for joining me today on The Tax Factor. Lots and lots to talk about again. Uh, SDLT in the spotlight, which always is the case, uh, HMRC standards and uh, that debate on capital taxes, which I think we and you are going to come back to in the not too distant future. The Tax Factor is available every Friday on all the major podcast platforms. So please do subscribe and join us again next time. I'm Namesh Shah. Goodbye. That's all for this episode of The Tax Factor. If you enjoyed this podcast, why not try Brave Business, our podcast series for entrepreneurs, 
Find it wherever you get the tax factor or on the Blick Rothenberg website. Join us again next time on The Tax Factor.